Sheila, as you know, uh, science right now, at least some scientists are courageously pursuing the topic of consciousness, trying to figure out where it comes from, where it springs from, what it means for us. And, uh, you know, it, it sort of delves into the area that's generally been the realm of philosophers, religious scholars. So I applaud those who are trying to figure this stuff out. But seems like we have a long way to go before scientists get their head around it. Uh, can you weigh in on this a little bit? Well, you know, in my opinion, consciousness is the God stuff. Everything is source. And so source is the consciousness. And, you know, um, George, like you said, we're souls having a human experience. And the fabric of our souls being a vibrational frequency wave of memory and experience is much like a tightly woven fabric. So if you imagine just taking a little bit of that consciousness and condensing it down. So this planet is actually having like a holographic experience, much like we're in the video game, because we're actually projecting an aspect of ourselves or our consciousness into this human form. So there's no way that the human body could actually contain all the energy that the soul has. But when we look at consciousness on a larger scale, absolutely everything is consciousness. Whether we're talking about walk-ins, we're talking about a regular soul, we're talking about disincarnate spirits. If we're talking about plants or animals or trees, there is this vibrational frequency that runs through all of us, which animates and brings in, if you will, the God stuff, which actually is our souls. And do you think that souls uh, reincarnate or incarnate as animals and that animals then become humans or is that, are they two separate categories? You know, I think that we can incarnate in anything that we really choose. If you, you know, if you take a pen or a pencil or even, you know, a ruler and you look at it, we could say that's time. And remember that fifth, if you extend those fingers down onto this timeline, we can incarnate past, present, future, we can incarnate in a dimension, a particular density. We can, you know, be whatever it is that we want. And I think it has more to do with the um, desired result that we're looking for. Would it be better to come in as an animal that's going to be in a family that loves it? Maybe. I can't, you know, I can't really validate that. However, I do know that as far as coming into human forms, there is a long line of souls that's waiting to get in. And believe it or not, a lot of the souls are interested in coming into bodies that really might not even be uh, what we would call 100% um, functional or um, very healthy because that's part of the experience that they want. So if a soul chose to incarnate, I believe that they could incarnate. However, with a lot of the teachings that I received about the densities from my collective is that if we're in density one, that's where we're like the elements, the minerals, water, sand, molecules, the electricity. Um, and the second uh, density would be like 
the rest of biological life, single-celled organisms, plants, and eventually animals. And when we get to the third density, that's where we have all types of manner of physical realities and physical bodies. So, you know, would someone want to go back to be a molecule? I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) What does this mean for, for example, free will? Uh, versus destiny? Is everything planned out? I'm asking in your context, because in your journey, uh, you know, it seemed like a lot of things were planned out for you. You, as you make these drastic changes in your life, you're getting uh, information from this counselor, this psychologist lady, and she tells you to go to a certain event because that's where you're going to meet your husband. I'm curious (laughs) how she knew. So was there already, that was the plan that was already written down somewhere? You know, that would be um, where we get into the clairvoyance, clairaudient, claircognizant. Um, her guides were actually telling her because I went to see um, my, this counselor twice a week for many years. And we were talking about all manner of things. And so I said, ah, there's this meeting coming up. I don't really want to go. And she's like, no, this, you need to go because this is where you're going to meet your future husband. And of course I'm like, yeah, right. Like I'm getting married again, you know, kind of thing. But she was able to see that. Now, was this something that her guides were telling her was a possibility? What if I hadn't gone to that meeting? Would I I met my husband or not? I don't know. That's a question that um, I guess we'll never know the answer to. But as far as the free will goes, I believe that when we incarnate, um, my guidance told me we enter through what's called a Shantius Khan. Remember those little fingers sticking out? Well, at the end of it, imagine there's these little bitty um, energy orbs, which would be a Shantia's Khan, which contains all the information that we're going to need and, as I understand, all the choice points that we're going to need. And so from the Shantia's Khan, we have what most people are familiar with as a higher self-stream, a spiritual body, and then what attaches is the um, aspect, literally the densest form of our higher self stream, which becomes the soul or the individual personality for this lifetime. And when that personality enters, there is like this master plan that they want to do. However, we do have that choice that we can, if we're going to go from point A to point B, which would be from my teacher to, to going to this meeting to meet my future husband, going from point A to point B, I had a lot of routes to get there. And so I think that's where the free will comes in. You have to remember, I personally believe that we're living in more of like a holographic matrix. And it's just like in a video game. You've got a lot of choices that that character can um, participate in. Is that free will? I don't know, because my understanding is that we're beaming aspects of ourselves here anyway. I think it's um, 
you know, again, I have to go back to like that business model of a, a goal and objective as to what we want to do. It's kind of like going to the grocery store, actually. <laughs> if you think about it, when you go to the grocery store, there's all these choices. You know that you're going to buy food, but you have a lot of different choices to purchase. You know, there's a, I'm curious about the timing for all this, whether there's is there a big influx of walk-ins happening now? And is there a schedule to keep? And I ask in this context, there's a, uh, one of our listeners, a friend of mine named Ed, who had written to me thinking that a spiritual awakening is what the planet needs. Is there, is there something imminent? Is there uh, uh, some kind of a, uh, an, a deadline happening? Well, you know, that's an excellent question. And if you ask the same question to 100 different people, you're probably going to get 100 different answers. But from my understanding, there is an ascension process underway. Now, I will say for the humans, we've been ascending since the dawning of time from point A to point B to where we are right now. The true ascension that's taking place is Gaia. Gaia's consciousness is actually getting ready to move back in to that 5D framework that I spoke about earlier that was being held with the ley lines and the crystalline grid. And as Gaia makes her transformation, those souls that are holding a certain vibrational frequency are going to be able to make that transition with her. Those other individuals basically are going to go about having their continue with their 4D reality because I do believe in 2012 with that huge, massive photonic wave of energy that went across the planet, everyone on Earth moved into 4D. Now we're in the process of moving to 5D. If we were not in 4D, we would not be able to tap into, you know, these higher perspectives or these higher densities because these densities are how we perceive reality. And I do believe that many people right now, well, I can tell you my collective has told me that there was a very, very active walk-in program that was actually underway. And it was not just with the souls incarnating on uh, the earth, but it was also within the galactic families that were sending souls here because we were able to anchor in a higher uh, dimensional frequency. But now more and more people are doing this personal work that's raising their own vibrational frequency. And they're much better able to hold all this influx of energy that's coming on to the planet. And so the collective has told me that the walk-in program that I am familiar with has actually started to slow down because humanity is able to hold that frequency themselves. And part of this ascension, I believe, if you'll remember when I was talking about that false matrixing, that physioelectric field was beaming this frequency in for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And for anyone that knows anything about DNA, we know that within the genetic structures of our gene pool that we take on the characteristics of 
those ancestors before us. We may have a certain eye color, certain personality traits. We may have propensity for illnesses or carry miasms, which would make us more likely to have certain behavioral traits and illnesses, et cetera. Well, within our DNA structure, we have been encoded with this false matrixing. And part of the ascension process is literally breaking free of that and allowing the true DNA, allowing us to truly drop in to all aspects, all dimensions of ourselves all at one time. So I do believe that there's an active walk-in program, but that it's slowing down. And I do believe that we are definitely in an ascension process because that's why I came in was to help to hold this frequency and to serve as a way shower and to help people wake up to the truth of who they really are. Let's take a couple of calls. We're going to go to the wildcard line, Brandon in Austin. Good morning, Brandon. How you doing? Good. Can you hear me? Yeah, what's on your mind? Okay, excellent. Thank you, guys. And uh, for everybody that hasn't followed George Knapp's podcast, you got to do that. It's weaponized. I'll be real quick so we can get other people. Are all walk-ins spiritual, or do you have an opinion on greys or their capabilities? Are ETs playing a role in these walk-ins? Thank you. Oh, interesting. Absolutely. Um, I look at any of um, non-Earth as our galactic family. And if they come directly from a planet, I consider those a starseed. So there are many, many souls that truly are starseed. As far as the grays go, um, there are gray races that are directly involved with walk-in programs, but there's also grays that people think of that are more of um, kind of like little clones or robots, and they are not involved with the program. Thanks, Brandon, for that. You know, uh, Sheila, I think I mentioned this to you when I saw you at Vail, that my first experience with this topic, and I did not remember it immediately, but Long ago, 30-plus years ago, I was on the Montel Williams show as a big UFO alien extravaganza, and among the first guests were two people who explained that they were earthbound extraterrestrials, meaning that they had been ETs in a previous life. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what the heck is this nonsense? And But now I, I realize how sort of how the system worked, that it wasn't quite as crazy as I thought it was at that time. Um, but you must you must hear that a lot, though, of people who were somewhere else, not only in a different lifetime, but on a different planet in a different galaxy altogether uh, previously. Absolutely. I, I hear it from people all the time. Uh, there's a huge influx of Palladians. There's a huge influx of Arcturians, not as many um, Andromedans. There's a lot of angelic beings. But as far as um, the reincarnation cycle goes, that is part of really the false matrix scene as well. Because when we drop our physical robes in death, whatever our true beliefs are, have permeated that fabric of our soul. So if we believe that we're going to 
come back into a reincarnation cycle, we do come back into a reincarnation cycle. If we believe that we are going to be met by Jesus and welcomed into the pearly gates, that's exactly what we'll experience. But eventually on the other side, there's that knock on the door that says, okay, it's time to get back to work. We've got a, we've got a, we've got a job to do. But when you come in to this planet, whether it's a walk-in or a natal soul, which is the original soul to the body, you know, we have to come from somewhere. A lot of souls are, they were um, ETs, if we want to call them that. I call them galactic family. They were galactic family members that came to this planet that did get caught in to that false matrix. There's a lot of souls um, that I have met that are true source souls, and this is the first time that they've ever had uh, an incarnated experience anywhere. Then there's souls like what I have that are a um, have come back as part of that higher oversoul uh, with memories from all those other lifetimes. So, you know, when we uh, come back to this planet or come in to this planet, we have to come from somewhere. Well, I guess we are ETs compared to some of them if they're from way out there, way out in yonder. That we'd be right. ETs and to them. Yeah. You know, I yeah, and I also believe that our forms are more hybridized because in the beginning, um, you know, with the source energy in my memories and what I've been told that there was a division of the light and the dark, and there were souls that volunteered to work in the light, souls that volunteered to work in the dark. But the problem was those souls that volunteered to work in the dark began to lose a lot of their co-creative abilities because they began to think that they were greater than the source. And then they began to seek out um, planets where they could kind of control the beings that were on that planet. And so when they came to Earth, they started putting their own genetics into humans before they actually set up the false matrix. And when they did that, there were galactic beings that came down and said, uh-uh, you know what? You cannot take away a free will from a species. So if you're putting your genetics in, we're putting our genetics in. And it's believed that there's about 22 different galactic races, um, some dark, some light, that have contributed to the genetic makeup of what humans are today. And a lot of times when people uh, wake up and say, wow, I feel like, you know, I'm Arcturian, a lot of times it's like, yeah, your soul can be from Arcturius, but a lot of times it can be that cellular memory that's deeply ingrained within not just their cellular structure. All right, we we need to take a break here. Sheila Seppi, walk-ins, the cosmology of the soul, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes takes us into the break. A song for walk-ins, if you don't know me by now. Sheila Seppi, we go back to the phone, see what's on the minds of our listeners tonight. Uh, west of the Rockies, Michael in Los Alamos. Hi, Michael. Oh, hi. A very wonderful song tonight about uh, Jimmy Buffett. I actually uh, I knew Jimmy. No kidding. But I'd like to ask Sheila a question, if it's okay with you, George. Sure. I feel assuming that we live 144 lifetimes, how old a a soul do you think Jesus might have been? 
Well, you know, that's also an excellent question that I don't have an exact answer for. However, um, you know, many people believe that there were multiple Jesuses, that there was the one that was born to Mary, a different one that um, actually um, took the cross. Um, so, I, I mean, I wasn't there. <laughs> I don't remember that. I do know that I have an affinity for that time. But if you assume the 144, I believe that you're referring to the overall arching monad. And it said that from that monad, there was one basic oversoul and that it divided out 12 times, times, 12 times, all the way down to that 12th power, giving 144 lifetimes. So assuming that the um, oversoul is timeless, it, you know, it's really hard to tell because I don't know how long um, that soul was around before it incarnated. But that was a great question. Thanks, Michael. Uh, Sheila, you said that you had been shown glimpses of previous lifetimes. I'm guessing they were here on Earth. Were, were, were you shown details? I mean, the times where you lived, the ages of when you lived? You know, I was given some very, very specific lifetimes. But what I found from my collective, that when I incarnated, the energy that came in from the soul actually activated some of that cellular memory. Those lifetimes were not mine. They belonged to the old soul. So when a soul enters into a body through a walk-in agreement, they agree to take on the karma and the, if you will, some of the goals and objectives, they have to get that cleared out of the cellular structure before they can actually move forward with their own objectives. And in my case, of being a way shower. So those past lives, actually, I met the people in this lifetime. And um, it, it was a pretty interesting. There was some karma <laughs> that needed to be cleared in those past lives. Wait, you, you met your previous selves in this lifetime? I didn't meet my previous selves. I met the people that the old soul had been involved in. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's complicated. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty complicated. <laughs> Excuse me. I, was, right. I had, when I met a particular couple, I literally saw their faces morphing into what I remembered the faces being of people from the past lives. And so I recognized them in their soul form. A lot of the people that I met from those previous past lives, um, there were certain situations where there had to be these um, bonds that were cleared between us. And so I literally spent about the first 10 years cleaning up the cellular memory, cleaning up that karma from their, those past lives. So interestingly enough, when I entered into the body, I didn't bring any of any previous soul wounding or anything. I came here with kind of a, you know, to be boots on the ground and to kind of help clear up this older 
um, memories, all the cellular stuff, even helping to work on some of the family lineage and to help clear some of that up. Wow. Well, uh, uh, I would hate to pass my karma on to somebody else. I'll haul, haul that baggage myself. So uh, <laughs> east of the Rockies, Joe in Long Island. Good morning, Joe. Yeah, hello, hey, Joe. Sheila. Two questions. First is, have you met for lunch or talked at length with uh, any other walk-ins? Uh, and my second question would be, uh, you mentioned your thinking clearing up. Now, if your thinking clears up, that wouldn't necessarily cause you to do a 180 on, like, what you liked or your taste. So could you say more about what you mean by your thinking cleared up? Absolutely, and I'll answer that question first. Because I was a very sick person, I was taking a lot of different medications, and one of the side effects was I had very foggy thinking. I also had low blood sugar at the time. When the walk-in came in, I began immediately to do a total body detox as well as to stop taking and weaned myself off of those medications. So that was a natural byproduct of the walk-in coming in. And yes, I have met quite a few walk-ins. When I wrote the book, I actually was desiring to meet other walk-ins because for the longest time, I felt like I was the only one here. And consequently, I've met many walk-ins that have felt the exact same way. And so when I uh, wrote the book, one of the things I did was interviewed uh, tons of people. And from that, I chose 15 stories to share of other walk-ins who, even though we we all came in differently, um, I I was really hoping to find somebody like me that had that lightning experience and remembered the soul exchange and remembered being connected to the other side and having those kinds of visceral sensations. And I just haven't met anyone like that yet. However, I have met very, um, you know, I've met hundreds of walk-ins from soul infusions to overlays to braids to people who have experienced souls that have jumped in temporarily and jumped out and really um, infused their physical body with a lot of information that they've had to unpack over a period of time. And I've met people with the multidimensional soul layering, what like what I would say that I have. So when I came in, I retained certain memories or certain attributes from a lot of my previous lives, which were not on this planet, but in other galactic segments. And I actually have um, organized, actually I have, well, let me back up. My collective has always pushed me to do more and more things to get out my message. And they kept telling me, go bigger, go bigger. Just like we're having this conversation, I would hear it right in my ear, go bigger, go bigger. And at first I thought that meant I had to do everything. So I studied all these different healing modalities and different spiritual techniques, etc. And I was working myself to death when it dawned on me, I didn't have to do everything. And so I began to organize groups of individuals who could help share their message. And it grew into what's called 
the uh, Conscious Awakening Network, and you can find it on ConsciousAwakeningNetwork.org, where I have many, many people, including other walk-ins, who now have a platform and a format to be able to share their story. So in addition to my book, I now have um, actually next month, you can go to that website and register. We're going to have a walk-in conference. So if people out there think that they might be a walk-in, they may want to join this conference. It's free of charge, and you can come and ask questions of other individuals who have had a different type of walk-in experience because you never know. Not everyone comes in the same way that I did, and their memories um, are not the same. And so they may or may not be aware that they are a walk-in or have had some type of a soul infusion or an overlay or anything like that. And by hearing people talk about their experiences, a lot of times it'll help other people walk up. So thank you for your question. Yeah, the the book, Walk-Ins, The Cosmology of the Soul, has many stories about uh, other Mm -hmm. walk-ins and and related material. It has a foreword, by the way, by Barbara Lamb, who was my guest uh, years ago on this program is just a, a giant in this field, but uh, thanks for that call. Mark in Tampa, Florida on the wild card line. Hi, Mark. What's on your mind? And good morning. Well, thank you for taking my call. Um, I've never heard of this topic before, and I listen to your show quite a bit. And the question I had is the body you came into had several medical disorders. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That is correct. I think to clear up a lot of things and to help with people understanding this, um, can you put the the medical conditions you had on your website and how they Um, clear it up? I I sure could. Um, You You can tell us now, though, too. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people have contacted me that actually have bone cancer and want to know what I did to cure that, or they have chronic fatigue and they ask me, or they have MS or brain tumors, those kinds of things. And what I have to share with people is I did nothing to bring about this healing. It was because the walk-in came in and the vibrational frequency was so high that it no longer matched the illnesses that was in the cellular structure. And all of our souls imprint onto the cellular structure. So when mine began its imprintation, all of these illnesses went away because it was no longer a vibrational match for the soul or the body that I was in. Well, to establish, and I, you know, I believe you, but to establish that credibility, if you could mm-hmm. show where, and I, I've retired from the medical industry, where you could show where you had, you know, a, a rheumatologist with the rheumatoid arthritis or a cancer specialist, show them that you actually had it. I hear it mm-hmm. being a, you know, a one side or the other. If I could see lab values, if I could see a radiologist interpretation, that would that would seal the deal for me and a lot of other people. Right, and I appreciate that skepticism. Uh, putting my medical records online is not something that I'll be doing. However, um, I did have, um, you know, documented illnesses through the medical association. Um, but many people who are a walk-in do not have medical illnesses because a walk-in soul will actually come into the body through a variety of ways. Sometimes it's through an automobile accident. Sometimes it's in a deep meditative state. Sometimes people have had such trauma 
that the soul leaves the body or a new soul comes in or a higher aspect comes in and melds just to help that soul through whatever the traumatic experience is. So illnesses is only one way that a soul comes in. But thank you so much for that question. Try to get one more call in. Blair has been hanging on in Phoenix, Arizona for a while. Uh, Blair, what's on your mind? Uh, Thanks, George. On a personal note, I was originally drawn to Sedona 26 years ago by a self-described walk-in who was born in 1895 and lived until 1999. So, Sheila, I have a comment and a question. Mandelbrot patterns consist of a connected set of all points, and from what you've said, it seems we're a bunch of galactic genetic mongrels, Sheila, how does the Christos energy figure into this so-called free will school? And thanks again, George. All righty. Hi. So that is a great question also. Now, when I refer to the Christic energy, I want you to understand, according to my knowing, there is um, basically a race called the Christos that carry the Christ consciousness energy. This was one of the, um, like one of the first species actually of any type of being who took a form uh, in creation. So the Christos beings carry that energy. (coughs) Excuse me. And if you can rephrase that question again, because I just got choked and I forgot what it was. I think he's gone. Um, He's gone. Okay. Well, I hope that that helped. Excuse me. I I guess, uh, Sheila, if you've got your voice back, uh, so what comes next for you? You're you're trying to share this message and help as many people as possible to understand this stuff. Is there a a deadline? Is there uh, something coming? Is there there a a key point in our near future uh, that everyone should be aware of? Well, I do believe that we are living, sorry, I got choked by water. I do believe that we're living in the time of this ascension process, whether it's going to be in our lifetime or whether it's going to be in a couple of future generations. But what my collective has shared with me, when I leave this earth, I'll go back to be with the collective. Many people will choose to go back to their own planet, but many people will also choose to have this fifth dimensional experience as Gaia makes her transition. Okay. Well, I want, I don't want you to make your transition now because you're choking on our show. So, <laughs> yes. so Sheila, no, Sheila, I, I was just choking on the water. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sheila, I really appreciate it. Uh, Sheila Seppi, the book is walk-ins, the cosmology of the soul. Appreciate you being here. There was so much that uh, you shared with us and uh, I learned a lot. Thanks for being here. Thank you. And thanks also to Doug Locks and to my colleagues there at Coast to Coast, Donna Walker and Michael Cosio, Lex Lonehood, Dan Kalani, Chris Boros, and of course, uh, Lisa Lyon and Tom Danheiser and George Norrie. I'm George Knapp. I'll be back in a couple of weeks, everyone. Good night.